Welcome to the Faith Lighthouse Church message of the week. We hope that you enjoy this teaching. For more information about this message and other resources, visit mylighthouse.church. So today we are continuing our series in Joshua. Uh, We began this last week and looking at the life of Joshua through our series called Strong. And uh, through the life of Joshua, we know that he faced many things, that he went through a lot of adversities, that uh, becoming the leader of the Israelites was no easy task, uh, that he sat back and watched Moses and how he navigated all the different challenges. And last week we looked at one of the keys to success, and, and, and if you missed it last week, I, I apologize, uh, because I gave everybody the key to success, and I'm not going to give it to you today, so if you missed out, you, sorry, don't miss church. No, I'm just kidding, I won't do that to you. The key to success, to be successful in this life, uh, to, 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 to do what God has called you to do, to see success in area, every area from being a successful husband, uh, a wife, uh, a father, mother, co-worker, family, friend, whatever it may be. If you want to be successful, the key to success is staying in God's word. Staying true to his word, having his word in your heart, having it in his mind, meditating on it, thinking about it, speaking it, praying it. That's the success. That's the key to life. That Joshua was promised that if he would stay faithful to that, that he would see success. And that promise extends to you and I that if we are faithful to God and his word, we will see success. And it may not be success that we may think. That oftentimes we think success is in the form of financial blessings or the car that we drive. That doesn't necessarily mean success. Success can come in so many different ways. To be prosperous doesn't mean that you've got millions of dollars in your checking account, which I know we would all like to have. Amen. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that is how God measures success. But to be successful in this life can come in many different areas. But staying in his word, we will find prosperity. We will find success. And so I want to continue on in this look of Joshua and his life. And and the thing is, it's it's remarkable that as we travel and as we navigate through life, that, that we look at our story and how other people become part of our story. People that we didn't anticipate, people that uh, we, we never thought we would interact with. We, we had no idea how they were going to play a part of our story. And so today I want to focus on a person that is a part of Joshua's story, a part of the Israelites, and a part of our story. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Joshua chapter 2. Not we've got it, We'll have it up on the screen for you, but Joshua chapter 2, we see this, this very... Uh, Familiar and interesting story of an individual that uh, is, is probably familiar to you. But I want to spend some time looking at her today. So Joshua chapter 2 starting at verse 8. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land and that a, a great fear of you has fallen on us. So all that who live in the country are melting of fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. For when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sihon and Og, the the two kings of the Amorites of the east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed, when we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family, because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sign... A sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and my mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death, our lives for your lives. The men assured her, if you don't tell what we are doing, 
We will, treat you, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us this land. Now, the person that I'm referring to in the story and kind of jumping in the middle of the text is I'm talking about Rahab. Now, many of you may be familiar with Rahab and heard her story and, 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 and her life. But if you're unfamiliar with Rahab, Rahab, let's just say, had a checkered past. To put it mildly. We see that, that Rahab is helping the spies who have gone out into the land to, to check ahead, to, to, to see what was going on. And, and she finds them there. They're not good spies. Just an observation. <laughs> they got caught. You know, typically spies shouldn't get caught. They got caught. She knew what they were doing. But Rahab goes to them and approaches them and says, I have heard what your God has done. We have all trembled in fear. Now, Rahab was... An interesting person because of her past that she was a prostitute and understanding her background understanding her past and how she plays into the story is truly remarkable for so many different reasons but we see that Rahab despite what her background is that she's e eager to help the spies because she grasped the power of the Hebrew God she had heard the, the power and, 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 and the, the true display of God because of the stories that had been shared. She had heard of what they did and how God brought them out of Egypt. How, how God provided and, and, and split the water in two so they could walk right through. She, she heard of how he had gone through and, and given them kingdoms. That she had heard all of this and she knew that the God of the Hebrews, the God of the Israelites was a powerful God. She understood this God, like maybe no other had. You see, the, the word of God for the provisions of the Israelites had, had gone throughout the land that people were hearing. And, and, and it changed her outlook on life. You see, in the same way that when people hear what God is doing, it should change their outlook. That Rahab had a very checkered past. That Rahab was, was not somebody that would usually be seen in the Bible or somebody that we would necessarily lift up because of her past. But despite her past, despite what she has done, she understood that, that there's something about this God of Israel. There's something about him that is different than the other gods that I have heard about. There's something different about this God. Why has he chosen to, to prosper them? Why has he chosen? There's something that she wanted to know. There's more that she wanted to know about this God. The word of his provision had spread. That there was no way people were going to keep this a secret. There's no way that they could hide or keep to themselves what God had done for the Israelites. No matter if they wanted to, to try and keep it a secret, they weren't going to. And so she has heard about this. And so now these spies enter the city and she's like, okay, this is an opportunity for me to, to change my life. One, to spare my life and to spare my family. But there's an opportunity for me to change my life. What she heard compelled her to do something different. And in the same way that, that what people hear about God and what people hear about Christianity should compel them to do things different. It should compel them to change the way that they live. It should compel them to speak differently, to talk, to, or even investigate who God is. And, and she saw this as an opportunity to investigate further. She saw this as an opportunity. I've heard about this God. Now I've got an opportunity to find out more. But she took this opportunity to protect herself and her family. The work of God should cause people to investigate Christianity. 
The understanding of who God is should cause people to investigate and want to investigate more of who God is. So it goes back to what is our mission? What is the point? What is it that we are supposed to be doing in this life? Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16, God had saved him, not just for himself, but so that he could be an example to others of what God will do for them. Paul is saying, God didn't save me just so I could be saved for the sake of myself, but God saved me for a purpose, for a mission, so that I could tell others of what God will do for them. That this is not, Christianity is not built on a selfish premise that it's all for me. And at church, I'm sorry, but I think we've got it backwards because I think that's what we believe that God saved us just for ourselves, just so I can get into heaven. That is not the point. Yes, it is so we can go into heaven, but our mission is so that we can share that same love and that same message to others. That is our mission. But we make it all about ourselves. It's part of the world that we live in, that we live in this selfish world, that it's all about us and what I can get and how I can take care of myself and, and all of these things. But there should, it should compel people to investigate God more. But as believers, as Christ followers, that that should be our mission to share who God is. As Rahab heard the news of what God had done, that's because people were talking. People were sharing, did you hear what happened? It's easy for people to gossip. You don't have to teach anybody how to gossip. Just like you don't have to teach kids to be selfish. It just happens. What if? What if we spent more time talking about God and who he was than gossiping and talking about other people? It's easy for us to have a conversation. Did you hear about so-and-so? Did you hear about what happened? Did you hear da-da-da-da-da-da? What if we pulled back from that a moment? So you know what? Instead of talking about people and talking about situations that I'm not fully aware of, what if I spent my time talking about what God has done in my life? What if I spent time bragging on God? What if I spent time saying, look what God has done in my life. Look how God answered the prayer in, of my life this week. Look how God has encouraged me that, that I was reading through scripture this week and this is how God encouraged me. Instead of spending time talking about things that truly don't matter in the scope of eternity, we spent more time bragging on God to cause people to investigate. I want to know more about that God. I want to know more about Christianity, not what I've seen on Facebook or not what somebody has put on Facebook, but you tell me what God has meant in your life. You tell me the God that you serve. You tell me how he has answered prayers. I want to know more about the God that you serve. That that should be our mission. That our goal should not be to, to get what we can get out of this life, but to share God to everybody we possibly can. Rahab heard of this God because people were talking about the miraculous. They were talking about his displays. Why, as a church, don't we do that more often? I'm, I'm going to preach today. I'm sorry. Just buckle in. I might be here for an hour. I don't know. We have got to get beyond our selfish desires and selfish ambitions. Say, God, I am on mission for you. I'm not on mission on what I can get out of this life. I am on mission because I want to proclaim you. 
I want to proclaim your goodness. I want all to hear of your faithfulness. I want all to hear of your goodness. But we get so distracted by things that just really are not a focus of what our true mission is. The disciples and the early church, they were not perfect. By no means were they perfect. And many times they got off mission. So it's important that we understand that yes, we can get off mission, but we need to get back in focus and realize what God has called us to do, that we can get so tied up in things that don't matter. Say, no, I've got to get back to the point. I've got to get back to what you called me to do. And that is to proclaim your good news, to proclaim who you are so that others may investigate and want to know, I want to know more about this God. There are studies that, that, that as, as looking at culture, and, and you've probably heard that the church in America is dying. It is. I'm not standing up here today and, and going to spout something that's not true. The church in America is dying. When you look at specifics, when you look at statistics, there are more churches closing than opening. Now, I will, I'm, I'm proud to say that as a part of the Assemblies of God, we are actually bucking that trend. We are actually opening more churches than are closing. But when you take a look at the church as a whole, more churches are closing than opening. How in the world did that happen in, in America? How did, in the world did that happen in a country that was founded on biblical beliefs and values? We lost our mission. We lost our focus. But you hear stories of you know, the, the millennials and Gen Z and all these things, and they don't, they don't believe in God, they don't believe in church and all these other things. They may not be attending church, but that doesn't mean they don't believe in God. They may not be going to church and sitting on a pew every Sunday, but that doesn't mean they're not open to spiritual things. In fact, it's quite opposite. The, the, the generation, millennials, Gen Z, they want to know more. They want to know what is Christianity all about because they've never experienced it. It, has, it, it truly has, has, has taken me on a journey and looking through all of this and seeing it that in my mind, in my view, and working with kids and youth and all the things that I've done, that I've just kind of had this preconceived notion that you grow up in America, you've been to church your entire life. Wrong. That there are people, there are kids that are growing up today that have never been to church before. And it's not that they're anti-church, they've just never been experienced to it. And they want to know, and so that's our mission, to be able to declare and share what God is, who God is, and what Christianity is all about. They're not anti-church, they're not anti-God, they just don't know anything about it. But what are we sharing with them? What are we telling them? How are we living our lives? Are we living our lives on mission to declare God's goodness? Are we living as God has called us to? Or are we getting our lives wrapped up in things that really don't matter? Rahab wanted to know more about this God. Who is this God that provided so miraculously for the Israelites? Who is this God that has given you nations? That's a God that's alive. That's a God that I want to know more of. And, and people should be asking us that question. Who is this God that you serve? Who is this God that, that is able to sustain you when you've gone through difficult moments in your life? Who is this God that you turn to, who you praise in the middle of suffering? Because I want to know more about him. That the lives that we live it should cause people to be drawn to us, not pushed away from us. People should be drawn to us, should be drawn to God by observing what he is doing in our lives. 
I believe that's one of the reasons why the early church grew as it did. Because people were drawn to the gospel. That things were happening. That they were seeing things that had never been done before. They are investigating something that, that was beyond. I've heard about gods and I've heard about the, But this is, this is different. There's something different about this. And I believe we can experience a revival as a church to reach out to a lost generation if we get back to our mission and what God has called us to do. To be obedient to his call. To live faithfully for, to, for him each and every day. And that people will be drawn to him because of what they've observed, what is taking place in our lives. None of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. We are going to have our moments when we fall. But through that, people should still be able to see God working in our lives. And because of that, because of our weaknesses, they should be drawn to it. Because nobody wants to be around somebody that's got their life all together. You're perfect, so I can't attain that. No, I'm flawed. I, I'm not perfect, but man, every day I'm trying. Every day I'm trying. Every day I'm trying. And it's not me. It's Christ working within me. Others should be drawn to the gospel. They should be drawn to God because of our lives. You know, looking at Rahab's life, many people would disqualify Rahab from doing anything in the kingdom of God. Subconsciously or even consciously, they're... We have a list of people in our minds that we think that God just cannot do anything with. God can't save. God can't change. They're going to do the same thing over and over and over again. I don't believe anybody purposely does that. I don't think anybody wakes up and says, you know what, God, here's a list of people that you can't save. Here's a list of people that you can't change. I don't think anybody really consciously does that. But I think there are times and there are places and there are people that are in our lives that we go, they're just never going to change. They're going to be that person. They're going to be that way the rest of their lives. I don't know what the rest of their life is, but I have hope in God that he can change them. I have hope in God that their life can be changed, that they can, they can find the, the renewal of the Holy Spirit in their lives. But unfortunately, there are people in our lives that we come across. They could be friends. They could be family members, coworkers. We think, God, there's just no way you can change them because of what they've done in their past, because of their history, because of all other things. Nothing is ever going to change. That would have disqualified Rahab. She was a prostitute. There is no way, God, you can do anything with her. I'm going to go ahead and play a, a clip this morning. Go ahead and show it. My name is Michael Chutorena, and this is a testimony on faith. From the time I, I was from middle school, I started doing drugs, hanging with the wrong crowds. I thought by getting into gangs, I would um, become someone bigger than who I was. I started selling drugs, got busted when I was in junior high. I was in the gang life, so we constantly would rob people. It got really bad to the point where I became uh, an alcoholic, a drug addict. I ended up making several trips to the hospital because I had heart issues. My body couldn't handle it. I also did prison time. People basically stopped hanging around with me because they didn't trust me. It got so bad with my drug use, I was stealing from my own family and from loved ones. And I became someone that I actually thought I would like, but in fact, I actually hated myself. I wanted to get out of that life. I wanted to change my life. I didn't want to be that same person anymore. I remember when I was younger that I used to go to church. I remembered faith. My mother had faith that um, I was going to come through and, and drop drugs, drop drinking, drop the, the gang life. And I applied this faith into my own life. 
I, I believed that God could help me. I believed that he was the one that was going to turn my life around. And even though I carry um, tattoos of my past life, I knew that he would change me totally from the inside. You know, things started changing. Once I dropped the old friends, once I dropped the old life, once I stopped drinking, once I stopped doing drugs, through faith I was able to stop doing drugs on my own. I could hold a job longer. Uh, people actually started trusting me again. I met my wife. My son started respecting me more. And that's what faith means to me. That's what the love of God means to me. Right now all I can say is through faith I'm going up. How many people may have walked by him or known him and his life and go, you know what, there's God, he can't do anything with him. He's too far gone. Family members, people he went to church with, he's always going to do the same thing. It's never going to change. God's never going to get a hold of him. Look at his past, look at his background. He's been in gangs, he's on drugs. Look what God did in his life. God is using him to start something new. God is using him and his family. You know, we can't put people in a box of saved and unsaved, worthy and unworthy. But unfortunately, we do that. I don't believe anybody, again, I said this a few moments ago, I don't believe we do that consciously. But there are people in our lives that I think we put inside that box. Nothing is ever going to change. They're going to do the same thing. Or because of how they look, or because of their past, there's no way God can use them. Rahab, living as a prostitute in a wicked city, she is the last person that any one of us, be honest, any one of us would qualify as being used for God's purposes. God, really? Her? Couldn't you have picked anybody else? She's the last person that we would imagine that God would use. But clearly, it shows that no one, no one's history, no one's past... It's too far gone for God's purposes to be used by God. We see Rahab make an appearance in the New Testament as part of the genealogy in Matthew, the genealogy of Jesus, that, that Rahab shows up in the lineage of Jesus. The last person anybody would think being in the genealogy of Jesus is a prostitute. But there she is for everyone to see, for everyone to examine, to say anyone can be used by God despite your past, despite your history. Go ahead and show that slide. Everybody knows what this is, right? It's a name tag. It's a label. You go to a conference, you go to a seminar, whatever it may be, and you, you write your name on that, and you put it on there so people can see your name, to identify who you are. As you introduce people to uh, yourself to individuals, that, that's who you are. That's your label. That's your name. We wear those name tags because we want to identify. This is who I am. This is my name. But I believe through the course of our life and through the things that happen that, that we wear labels and we, la we wear name tags, but they're not of our name. That we wear labels and, and name tags of, of things that we believe we are. That... that, that Perhaps, in Rahab's case, hello, my name is prostitute. Because that's what we label her as, right? That's who she is. That's who she, that was her life. That's what we've labeled her as. But God said, no, that's not her. She's Rahab and she's going to be used for my purposes. 
You may have labeled yourself something. Take it off and put the label that God has called on you. He has called you child of the living God. You are not a drug dealer. You are not a drug addict. You are not an abuse victim. You are the child of the living God. You do not have to live by that label. You do not have to live by your past. You live by the name of the living God. That is who you are. The labels that we have are used by the enemy to keep us in our past. I thank God for his testimony. I thank God for what God has done in his life. But I thank God for your testimony. I thank God for what he's done in your life. I thank God for my testimony and who I am. That I am a child of the living God. I don't have to live by who I, who I think I am. I live by who I know I am. That God will use me for his plans and for his purposes. Not for who I think I am. Because there are days, if I'm honest, there are days when my label may not say child of the living God. That I allow the enemy to put labels of my past on me. That I allow the enemy to, to seep into my mind and to my thoughts. And cause me to question. And cause me to doubt. And that's when I have to go back to his word. And go back to what I know is true. You are not your past. You are more than that. God is using your past to shape you for your future. No one would have thought that God would have used Rahab, but he did. And now, over thousands of years later, we're looking back on her life as a testimony to God. That God can and will use anyone who is willing there's nothing in your past that can keep you from doing something for God. No matter what label you have, no matter what you've put on yourself, that's not how God sees you. See, this passage should inspire us. It should inspire us to do two, one of two things. Number one, we need to realize that no one is too far for God's reach. No one is too far for God's reach. That we don't need to allow what we've done in our past or what someone has done in their past to think that they cannot be used by God. Yes, what they may be doing right now, you're scratching your head and you're going, what are you doing with your life? But, but, why we're, but I know God can get a hold of you. What you're doing and how you're living is not what God has for you. And I'm going to keep praying and I'm going to keep believing that you are going to move from that place into victory. Do not ever give up on anyone. I know there are days and I know that you have family members that you go, God, will they ever get up? I don't know on this side of eternity, but we have to keep praying and believing and trusting that God will, they will see God at work in their lives. But don't ever give up on anyone. No one is too far for God's reach. No matter what they've done in their past, no matter what their history is, no one is unreachable. Don't allow what somebody has done in their past or what they may look like to keep you from reaching out to them, from loving them, from showing them who God is. Because you have no idea what God has in plan for them. You have no idea your interaction with them may encourage them to do, to change their life, to do something for God. See, the second thing is that this, this story offers us that, that those who may feel like they'll never be good enough are good enough. 
that you may look at your life and go, there is no way God can use me. He used Rahab. He can use all of us. She was grafted into the salvation story. She was grafted into the lineage of Jesus. That no one, in fact, is good enough. There is nobody that is good enough. We can never do anything that's good enough. But the the blood of Jesus covers all of us. We've been given this, this gift of grace and mercy and of love. And there's nothing that we can do to earn it. There's nothing that we can do to to earn it, but God has freely given it to us. His love, His grace, His mercy, and that should cause us to live life on mission. It should cause us to live a life of purpose and go, God, whoever you put in my path, whoever you allow me to interact with, I am going to show them who you are. I'm going to show them my life. I'm going to be open. I'm going to be vulnerable with them because I want them to know that you can use them just like you've used me. What you've done in my life, I want that to be a testimony to your name. That each and every one of us are children of the living God. That nothing in our past, no sin, no label, nothing can keep you too far away from God. So what I would like us to do, I would like, I invite you to stand this morning. And as a response today, as we sing this song, that maybe you're here today and, and maybe you bought into that, that yeah... You know, I'm just, I can't do anything for God. That I've come this far and that's it. No, there's something more for you. There's something more for you to do. That your life is an example. That your life is a testimony. That if anything else, you say, God, I just want to, I just want to proclaim your goodness. I want to speak, I want my life to speak volumes for you. That people are attracted to who you are. Because of what they see you doing in my life. That I want everybody to know that they can be a child of the living God. That they have a purpose. They have a plan for their lives. Maybe you're here and you're like, God, I just, I need need that confirmation today that I am a child of God. That that maybe you're living under your label. That maybe you're living under that, what, what you've heard your mom or your dad speak to you. That is not who you are. You may be going back to memories as a child and what you heard your dad say to you in in awful moments of your childhood and believe that's who I am. I am unlovable. I am unworthy. And that is not who God says you are. You are loved. You are a child of the living God. You have purpose. You have value. You have meaning. That is not your label. My hope and my encouragement today is this. Walk in the knowledge of who you are. Who God says you are. Not what other people may say you are. Not even what you say you are. But who God says you are. We disqualify ourselves. We disqualify ourselves because we think we're not good enough. We we disqualify ourselves because we don't think we're worthy enough. I've been ministry long enough that I've had conversations with people. And and I walk away and, 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 and I just, the enemy is at work because they say three or four different things that disqualifies them from being used by God. And, and I try to encourage and I try to say, don't look at it that way. See, see it from God's perspective. And that's my hope is today is that you would see it from that perspective. 
throughout Scripture, God uses people that would never qualify themselves. God says, I qualify you because you are my child. May we walk in the fullness of God. May we walk in what He has called us to do. I can do nothing on my own. It is Christ that strengthens me. When I try to do it on my own, I fall on my face every single time. But when I lean into the power of God, that is when I find success. And success in His eyes, not worldly success. I don't care what the world says. It matters what He says and what He thinks about me. I want to live in that purpose, and I want us as believers to live in that purpose. It's my hope and my goal that as every one of us walks through that door today, you walk in that knowledge, that you walk in the fullness of God, that you are a child of God. That is who you are. God, I thank you so much for today. Thank you, God, for your word. I thank you that we can come together as a church to praise you and to worship you. To set aside a few moments of time and allow you, Holy Spirit, to minister to our hearts. Lord, I pray for every single person here today that they walk in the knowledge of who they are. That while they may think that they're disqualified from being used by you because of their past and what they've done, and all of the sin, all of the things that we have done has been forgiven. And that we have this new life in Christ. And that we live in those purposes every day. That people would be drawn to us because of you in our lives. That we live this life on purpose and with mission to draw people to you because they want to know more about you. That we would not live for selfish motives or desires, but they would be servants to you. That we would be humble to love and not disqualify anyone because of what their past may say or what they may look like. But just do what you've called us to do, and that is to love everyone. May we live life on purpose and with mission. That you didn't save us for our own selfish ambition, but you saved us so that we may tell others of who you are. There are so many people that need to know that there is a God who loves them. There is a God who is living, who provides hope, provides healing and may we be the tools used for those purposes as a church may we be used for that purpose again Lord I lift up all those who are broken hearted I pray that you mend their hearts for those that are in grieving and mourning I pray that you would lift them up that as the hours and days that you would give them strength in those quiet moments when they're alone that you would Encourage their hearts. I thank you that you are the God of comfort, that you are the God of grace and peace. Lord, again, I pray for this church. I pray for this body, that we would be stronger together, that we would be unified for your purposes. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus. And everyone says, amen. Thanks for listening to the message of the week. If you've enjoyed this teaching, would you consider a gift to support the ministry of FLC? Visit mylighthouse.church forward slash give. Faith Lighthouse Church is located at 3409 
Paul Buckman Highway in Plant City, Florida. Our weekly worship services are held on Sundays at 11 a.m. We also have various life groups and programs for all ages that meet throughout the week. We'd love for you to be a part of what God is doing in Plant City.